Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Locked on Spurs is a daily podcast covering the San Antonio Spurs. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Audio Boom, and many more. Locked on Spurs will be there waiting for all Spurs fans, whether it be on your daily commute, lunch hour, or whenever you have time, Locked on Spurs will bring you the latest on the silver and black. Now, let's talk some Spurs. Hey, thanks for pressing play once again right here on Locked On Spurs, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your navigator, your designated driver, Jeff Garcia, here to bring you the latest and greatest in the San Antonio Spurs and what's been going on with them recently since we last spoke. There's a bit of some news and notes we got to go over before we bring in our special guest. And that is Harrison Fagan of Locked On Lakers, who is also on the Locked On Podcast Network. He and I are going to discuss if the Lakers, if anything at all, can present any type of challenge to the San Antonio Spurs as the new season inches closer. And I know what you're already thinking. No way. Not a snowball's chance in you know where. But nonetheless, Harrison does bring up some good points that Spurs fans will find interesting regarding the Lakers team and, you know, the occasional win the Lakers could get during the regular season. That is coming up shortly. But as I mentioned before, there have been a lot of Spurs news and notes since we last spoke. And I know I realized the last show was the biggest geek fest ever right here on Locked On Spurs. Form Voltron, if you haven't heard it, go check it out. It's on audioboom.com. But let's go ahead and kick this off with some Spurs news and notes that you may have missed. And I guess the big one that you probably did not miss, though, is the Spurs brought in yet another Argentinian. The Argentinian invasion is in full effect in the Alamo City. The Spurs have signed to a training camp deal guard Nicolas Laprovitola. And that name should sound familiar to you, as, as he was Manu Ginobili and Patricio Garino's teammate in the Rio Olympic basketball tournament. He is a scrappy guard. He is hard-nosed. He isn't afraid to mix it up in the paint. He is quick. He is young, part of the Spurs youth movement, and he is coming into training camp looking to make an impact and fighting for the final roster spot. Again, having Nicholas on board, that'll make three Argentinians wearing silver and black next season, albeit if Either the two new guys, Garino or Laprovitola, make the squad. So that's Manu Ginobili, Patricio, and Nicholas. He is 26 years old. He had solid play last month's Rio Olympics. He is six foot four. He played for the Spanish club CB Estudiantes last season. And again, that is a pretty solid 
basketball league outside of the NBA. He's expected to get some playing time during the Spurs preseason slate of games, but the odds are pretty much stacked against him, especially at his position. Let's face it, Tony Parker, Patty Mills, they're a lock. They're going to get the the top two point guard slots. So that definitely leaves Nicholas. That leaves Ryan Archidiacono. That leaves DeJounte Murray. Uh, that's pretty much a logjam right there at the point guard position. And let's let's just be honest. It's you know, if he's gonna have to really wow the coaching staff and even maybe the veterans themselves if he has a chance to make that final roster spot. Again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the areas of concern I have going into next season is the Spurs' lack of depth at the point guard spot. Tony Parker. Say what you will, but he is on the opposite end of uh, his uh, playing career. He's on the decline, and he hasn't been looking like the TP of old in recent memory. Add the fact, too, he didn't look too great in the Rio games, but at the same time, didn't really look like the Tony Parker of old. Patty Mills looked phenomenal playing for Team Australia. He more than likely is going to get a lot of minutes next season, but however, he is not a traditional point guard. He's not a pass first score second he is a scoring point guard he has to have the ball that's how he shines so who's going to be the next ball facilitator who's going to be distributing the ball setting up the offense and willing to take a at least a step back from scoring and more facilitating and uh throwing out the assists so that's where i see how nicholas is going to actually make his impact if he takes that approach now nicholas comes in a very decorated basketball player they mentioned he did play with CBS Estudiantes last season in Spain. He comes in with some hardware, uh, playing at the South American Championship for Team Argentina back in 2012. He won gold and again playing for Venezuela in 2014 at the South American Championship. He won silver. Uh, he also won silver in 2015 playing for Team Mexico at the FIBA Americas Championship. And he won bronze in 2013, playing for Venezuela at the same tournament. So he's proven that he can play at a high level. He can play in pressure situations. He can play in championship-like atmospheres. And that's exactly what Pop looks for, winners. This guy is a winner through and through. All right, other Spurs news and notes you may have missed. In other Spurs news, Pau Gasol recently spoke to Spanish media about coming to the Silver and Black, and he spoke about how he came close to joining the Spurs in 2014. But he also said that the time is right for him to join San Antonio. Speaking of the upcoming season, I want to quickly remind you that this episode of Locked on Spurs is sponsored by the SeatGeek app is what I need to talk to you about. It's on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I mean, I could be anywhere, and just with a few taps of the app, I can find seats for any game this upcoming NBA season or even the NFL season that's right around the corner, and I'll get them. I'll find them. They're easy. It's right there. Now, with SeatGeek, you'll always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek prices compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. And prices can vary depending on where you shop, but the SeatGeek app will always find you the lowest available price. That is pretty good because think about that. It'll fit into your budget. 
you know, if you think like, well, you know, maybe this is not within my range, you know, I was looking to spend X amount of dollars, this is Y amount of dollars, well, the SeatGeek app will alert you when it falls down to a lower price. Can't beat that. And it, it just gives you a lot more bang for your buck because every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. So you'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that's, like I mentioned before, going to fit your budget. Every ticket you buy on SeatGeek app is backed by their 100% guarantee. You're not going to get ripped off. You're not going to get poked in the eyes. What you see is what you get, and what you're going to get is a good ticket at a low cost. I want to urge you to write this down or plug into your memory, email it to yourself, make a mental note. If you enter LO Spurs as a promo code, you're going to get $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Okay, so here's what you got to do. To get that $20 rebate on tickets, you got to download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, end quote. Enter promo code LO Spurs. SeatGeek will then send you 20 bucks after you make your first ticket purchase just like that. It's easy, it's fast, you're going to love it. I like it. It's very user-friendly. It's very mobile-friendly. I can already foresee when I want to get a ticket to any Spurs game, whether it be Spurs Knicks, Spurs Net, Spurs Warriors, it don't matter. I know I'm going to get that ticket. It's going to be guaranteed. I get it downloaded to my phone, present my cell phone at the, at the ticket counter, and I'm in. That's right. It's that easy. So go download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOSPURS today. Now, as I was mentioning, up next is Harrison Fagan of Locked On Lakers right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I teased it a little bit in the intro. I'm going to tease it again right before we dive into this. I get it. The Lakers, they're going to be a laughing stock. But let's just pump those brakes right now. They have a very young core. They got some veterans on the team uh, they are now entering the post Kobe Bryant era just like the Spurs are entering the post Tim Duncan era so both teams are going to go into newfound waters in the 2016-17 season oh and, and and by the way make sure you subscribe to not only Locked On Lakers on the Locked On Podcast Network but go to audioboom.com and check out the array of shows that the Locked On Podcast Network has for you. It's it's a great network. It's growing by the by the minute, by the day. NFL, NBA, the NFL uh, teams are blowing up right now on the Locked On Podcast Network. So again, make sure you subscribe not only to my show, Locked On Lakers, even Locked On NBA. David Locke recently spoke with Kevin Pelton of ESPN, and he had a lot. To talk about when it came to the Spurs defense heading to next season. Locked on NBA with David Locke. Go download it. Alright, up next is the interview with Harrison Fagan of Locked on Lakers. Enjoy, and I'll see you next week. Okay, we are back, and like I mentioned in the intro... We are still taking the tour of the Western Conference teams on the Locked On Podcast Network. Revisited with Locked On Rockets and Locked On Blazers. Up next, don't laugh, everybody, but hey, we have to be fair. We have to, you know, we, we can't hold any prejudices. Um, Locked On Lakers is up next on the Grand Tour 
what teams out there in the West that could threat, threaten the Spurs? Uh, I've been warned already. Our guest, Harrison Fagan of Lockdown Lakers, is going to laugh pretty much the whole time. So, Harrison, do you want to just get that out of your system right now? Uh, I mean, I, the, the, when you sent me the message saying we're going through the threats to the Spurs in the West, I did laugh pretty hard. I don't know that I can just do it again on command, but yeah, I've, the Lakers, you know, I guess the, the, it's like I was telling you before, they, they haven't been eliminated yet. Everybody's zero and zero right now. So who knows? Maybe maybe they could surprise some people. I guess, uh, you know, mathematically, they're a threat to the Spurs. I think that's how that works. Yeah, right now, <laughs> yeah, right now it's zero and zero right now. So technically, yes, the Lakers could present a threat. But yes, you know, just like the Lakers, Harrison, the Spurs, you know, they lost a big franchise player, Kobe Bryant for you guys, Tim Duncan. For the Spurs, so both teams are pretty much stepping into a new path, a new era in their franchises, without their franchise player anymore. How are the Lakers preparing for life now post Kobe Bryant? Well, I think I think the one big difference in between the two of them walking away is that the Spurs are losing a player who helped them last year, while the Lakers are losing a player who, you know, all due respect to Kobe and everything that he accomplished during his career, shot them out of a ton of games last year. You know, I'm I'm looking at the stats right now, and his usage rate led the team by a mile. He he took up 31.9% of the Lakers' possessions, and he just wasn't a good player anymore last year he, he really you know he had that 60 point explosion to end the year that everybody was justifiably excited about but that was not the Kobe that we saw for most of the year so the, I think the big difference between the two franchises is that the Lakers are moving on from Kobe and yeah they're losing a legend they're losing someone who is huge for their organization and just kind of was you know the, the whole thing revolved around him but for the Lakers that's almost a good thing now that he's gone because it's going to allow some of their younger players to kind of spread their wings and use up some of those possessions to develop. Whereas I think, and I mean, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, the the Spurs have like actually a pretty big void to fill. I, I believe Tim Duncan, uh, other than Kawhi Leonard, was probably the team's best defender most games last year, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, Duncan and alongside as well, people don't give him enough credit. It's Danny Green. His offensive did su suffer last year, but defensively on the perimeter, he was pretty solid. Yeah, I, uh, Danny Green was a guy who I thought the Lakers should have targeted a couple years ago when he was a free agent. I thought he would be a good kind of one of those mid-tier guys that they could have given some money to. But, you know, he he was never on the market. Yeah, and he was not leaving San Antonio. He's just so connected to the community, to the city, and to the franchise that, he again, he gave a hometown discount to the Spurs. Yeah, he did. He gave a hometown discount on, like, the first day. It yeah. wasn't one of those. So, like, it was like, it was immediate. Uh, we, I remember all of Lakers Twitter was pretty shocked with how quickly he agreed to uh, that deal a couple years ago. Yeah, so he wasn't leaving. But, uh, you know, again, you know, we're, for the Spurs fans right now, obviously, you know, you don't know Spurs fans like I do. And, and they're very – they like to live on the edge. They like to live with the cliff. You know, if it, they lose one game, that's it. Title season's over. So, <laughs> I mean, that's how they are. <laughs> You know, when they uh, when Spurs fans, when they look at the West or the NBA, they'll look at every team as a threat, no matter what. And one thing that and as much as, you know, maybe you and I have laughed about this topic of do the Lakers present a threat. Ironically, though, in some way, Spurs fans would be nervous about this Lakers team. Why? Because you guys are very young and athletic, something the Spurs improved on, but not at the level that the Lakers, at least roster wise right now, are showing. 
Yeah, the Lakers, they have a lot of young guys, and they're going to lose a lot of games this year. But against the Spurs, I mean, I wouldn't by any means favor them against the Spurs in any way. But if they're going to get like a surprise kind of shock the world win that sends San Antonio into a panic, then, that, you know, that's going to be the way that they do it. They're going to get out and run. And that's something that Luke Walton has kind of talked all offseason about that he wants to do. He wants to get the team playing a little bit quicker and play, and passing around, uh, passing a little bit more. And so, you know, if the Lakers are going to have any chance in a game against the Spurs this year, it's going to be because of that. It's going to be because they're running them off the floor. Maybe the Spurs are on a back-to-back or something. They're tired. They aren't as locked in as they normally are. They didn't take the Lakers that seriously, and the Lakers' young legs just get out and run on them. That's really the main chance that they would have in a game against the Spurs. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, the Lakers did shock the world last season by defeating the Warriors, so it's not out of the realm of possibility heading into next year versus San Antonio. But when I look at this roster, Harrison, you know, I look at a very young team, Nick Young, Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson, you know, D'Angelo Russo. I'm looking at the newest guy, you know, Brandon Ingram, you just drafted second overall. So a very young core group. But the Lakers also did make an effort to bring in veteran players on the offseason. You bring in Luol Deng, you bring in Timothy, Timothy Mozgov. And you look at this team, it's a it's a it's very young heavy, but there are some veteran presence on there. As, let's I wanna flip it. We know what the Lakers are, young team. But what do what are the veterans gonna do? I mean, do you like the group of veterans on this team to help mold the young guys? <laughs> I don't know that I like the group of veterans on the team. I think that the Lakers signed some decent guys. I, I think I'm more interested kind of in to see what they can give the Lakers because Luol, both uh, both Dang and Timothy Mozgov, those are the guys they gave the big four-year deals to this offseason. And, the, you know, those guys are going to be on the wrong side of 30 by the time that those deals. Luol Dang's already, you know, he's already in his 30s, but he's going to be kind of, especially with how much he got used up in Chicago, the, the year's – for the, the fourth year and maybe even the third year of his deal are not going to look super hot, you wouldn't think. But I think that they brought in the right kind of guys that are going to kind of we, we talked about the youth of the roster, but they brought in the right kind of guys that are going to help teach those guys how to be pros, as well as being able to contribute on the floor. Everybody around here kind of flipped out about the Mozgov deal. Oh, it's too much money. It's a, he's not even good. And that that could end up being true because he was very not good for the Cavaliers last year. But two years ago, he was dealing with the injury that he kind of came back to early from. This past season, he was probably the the second or third best player on the Cavs in the finals. And, you know, if the Lakers can get – this has kind of become a cliche that Anthony and I have talked about on the podcast on Locked on Lakers. But if the Lakers can get like 80% of that Timothy Mozgov from two years ago, then his deal won't look as bad. It's still – it's an overpay, but everyone got overpaid paid this summer and so i'm kind of i'm interested in the guys that they brought in i think that they will help i think that they're better certainly than what the lakers had last year in addition to the coaching change is why i think that they're going to be several games better again i don't think that they're going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot or anything like that they still very well might be the worst team in the west but i think that they're going to win a couple more games and they're going to look a little bit better i think that that's just testament to how good the west is is that you know they made additions and they're looking a little bit better but they still might be the worst team in it yeah again we are talking to harrison fagan of locked on lakers right here on the locked on podcast network and he has given us his preview of the 2016-17 la lakers and 
you know, I want to continue on again about this roster. Who is the go-to guy now? Who is it? Is it Russell? Is it Randall? Uh, is it Clarkson? I don't know. I don't know. Who is now going to be that face of the franchise? It's actually interesting that you ask that because it gives me a chance to shamelessly plug some content on Silver Screen and Roll, the site that I write for. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we've been doing our, we had all of our writers get together and rank the various Lakers in terms of what we think they'll contribute on the floor next year. And our pretty close to consensus number ones were, uh, as far as best player on the Lakers, it was close, but D'Angelo Russell kind of took it. He, he ended up having a slightly higher average vote than average score than Luol Deng. And so I, I think that re, I think the ball is going to be in Russell's hands next year. For better or worse, he's going to make his mistakes, but I, I think he's already, he's going to show a lot more than he did last year. He already showed in Summer League that he's started to improve a little bit, and I think that in Luke Walton's kind of new, faster faster paced offense with the, the kind of Byron Scott leash taken off of him a little bit, I think that he's going to look a lot better this year but then there's him, and then you also look at, in the backcourt, Jordan Clarkson, I think, is going to be something of a go-to guy for them. And, uh, possibly at some point this year, coming off the bench, they've talked about maybe experimenting with that, but at least initially he's going to start, and I would imagine some of their minutes will be staggered. So I, I think that those are the two guys that I look at as probably having the highest usage rates, being the kind of quote-unquote go-to guys when games get tough, because Dang is a lot of things, but I don't know that you're used to that's best if if that's what you're asking him to be at the end of games, which I think is what we're talking about. Could the maybe the real MVP of this new Lakers team heading to next season actually be the new coach, Luke Walton, and what he's bringing in from his time with Golden State? Well, I think it's, again, Lakers fans are going to get mad at me for ragging on Kobe again. I have that reputation now, and, you know, I have a ton of respect you for him. But the real MVP... A little bit, a little bit, because people don't like it. There are people that don't like that I don't effusively does it while he takes 25 shots a game as he, his arm is falling off. But he, uh, what was that? What would your co-host say right now on Locked On Lakers? Oh, he'd be able to. He he probably has a bigger reputation than I have. So we're 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 not we're definitely not the co we're not the podcast for Kobe stands. But I think what I was going to say is that you, the real I think might be not Kobe Bryant. And, uh, you know, just like other people taking his minutes and his shots, because, the again, the 2015-16 version of Kobe Bryant was just not really a helpful NBA player most nights. But I think the runner-up MVP is not Byron Scott. And Luke Walton coming in, I think, I think most coaches, you know, they had a pretty low bar to clear in terms of being better than Scott was. But I think that Luke Walton has certainly, he's saying all the right things. He's become a Lakers fan favorite despite them not playing a game yet. And he was already kind of beloved here from his playing career. He was like, he was a guy that I think a lot of fans liked. And I, I, I think he's going to be really good for the team. I think that he's, it sounds like he's going to try and bring some of the things over from his time. Excuse me. I'm getting a, call in the background um he's going to try and bring some things over from his time in golden state i think that he definitely has experience helping hello yeah, I'm here. jeff did i okay. oh, uh, i do 
I think that he had, you know, he's going to bring a lot of principles, it sounds like, from his time in Golden State. He has experience developing players from his time with the defenders. Uh, I've kind of, when I've talked to people who worked with him there, I've gotten rave reviews for his coaching style and the way that he communicates with people. And the Lakers, the the young Lakers, uh, none of them have, they all have yet to say a bad word about him. And I, I think that this team is going to really unite under him in a way that they didn't necessarily under Scott. And just on the basketball side of it, we we saw Walton last year with the Warriors, you know, uh, uh, their offense was mostly in place, but it certainly looked, even, even talent aside, it just looked a lot better than what the Lakers were running, which was just kind of a lot of ISOs. Yeah, you know, I, I really think bringing in Walton is going to help this very young core tremendously. I mean, he's, I mean... He's playing on a championship team, and that's exactly what the Lakers are. I mean, for their entire history, they've been a championship franchise. So it makes it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, he's a he's an LA guy too, isn't he? Yeah, he's from San Diego, but he's he's a Southern California guy through and through. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a California guy. You know, it it fits. You know, he has the young horses around him. So I think you know you can only go up. If you're the Lakers, you know, there's no way they really hit rock bottom, you know, especially last season with all the drama with Russell and the camera and then Nick Young and then his fiance, you know, all that stuff. Hopefully that doesn't interfere again next season. And they just focus on basketball. Uh, again, I'm pretty sure we already moved from the topic of that being the Lakers being a threat to the Spurs. But, you know, it looks like they're not going to be one. But again, it's a very intriguing team because I look at them on paper and they got some great pieces. So my question is, is what now? Do they still need to make another move to get even better? Do you ride with the horses you've got right now and hopefully they get better as a unit and get that chemistry down and that unit and just play together for seasons after seasons till they get it? Or do you actually see this team making a trade mid midseason? You know, I don't think that I see them. I mean, this is obviously barring uh, kind of like an obvious deal that you have to make. Like some team offers you a superstar for just like maybe one of the young guys. Then I think that that's something that's kind of a no-brainer you have to think about because you're hoping that one of these young guys can be a superstar. But if someone offers you one for one of them, then I think that that's a trade the Lakers have to make. The thing that I would think that they should not do and I don't anticipate them doing is pack packaging multiple of kind of their young core for a superstar because I think what all that does for you is it kind of concentrates all of your assets into one player and you don't have a whole lot of other avenues to improve at that point because all of a sudden you're losing cheap young talent that you can build around for a guy that's probably on his big NBA deal and so maybe you have a little bit less cap space to work with and it's just hard to see avenues to bring in other if you're kind of mortgaging the future like that so what I I would anticipate that they do is that this year they ride it out with the young guys. They see how that goes. They let them develop. And then next season, I think that they're going to try and make some, make some free agency signings again, or they'll have a max lot available and they'll see if these young guys showed enough this year that they entice someone to come and play with them. I, th- I think is probably their game plan going forward. Yeah. I mean, this team, um, as the old cliche goes, they have, Great upside, great, great upside uh, for each of the players. I just hope they mesh together for Laker fans. You know, I want to, again, you know, looking at the Lakers and what they did on the offseason, bringing in Yi Jin Lian. What did you think about that? 
I was not the biggest fan of that. I don't really get the move. I think that he's a guy that he's going to come in and you just, the Lakers just re-signed Tarek Black. They they just signed Timothy Mozgov to a big deal. And then they bring in E, who in the NBA is probably best suited as like uh, as a center, because I don't think that he has the lateral quickness to defend power forwards in today's league. Uh, I, just, I, I don't know that he has like the lateral quickness to defend the rim in the NBA. I, I haven't really seen that. But I think that center would be his best position. But if the Lakers are going to play him at power forward some, then all of a sudden you're taking minutes from Larry Nance Jr., Julius Randle. Luol Deng was actually best as a power forward last year when he was playing at his most effective for Miami. So the the Gian Leon thing, I don't totally get it. It wasn't now. It wasn't for a lot of money, and you could they could theoretically use him as a trade chip to take back salary, and the other team could cut him for a much lower cap number and save some money. But I just, I honestly don't totally get it. I saw him play for China a little bit during the Olympics, and I just, his production to me screamed like somebody kind of, somebody had to score for us. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've always, I, you know, when he entered the NBA, I was pretty high on him, but boy, and I think everybody was kind of disappointed um, with his uh, NBA career. Hopefully he turns it around for the Lakers and becomes that high pick that he was when he was drafted. And speaking of drafting, Number two pick overall, Brandon Ingram. Uh, solid uh, pickup. I mean, you couldn't go wrong with Brandon. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? What has he shown, at least in the offseason? I mean, I believe he did play in Summer League. Uh, you know, what, what, were your, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, Summer League was kind of a mixed bag for him. He had his moments where he looked really, really good, and you could see why the Lakers drafted him. And then he had his moments where, you know, he was getting knocked off of his spot by stronger, more physical guys, and just kind of things like that, that every 18-year, I mean, he's just 18 years old, and he's just barely growing into his body right now. So that kind of stuff is going to happen, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen even more during the regular season. And I think that that's part of the reason the Lakers signed Dang, is so they can bring Ingram off the bench and have a little bit less pressure on him because I don't know that he's as NBA ready as someone like D'Angelo Russell appeared to be to me. And so I think that you bring in Dang as someone who can kind of develop a lot, who can help develop him and can kind of shield him a little bit, at least to start his career. And, but again, as far as Ingram going forward, I, I don't know about this year, how good he's going to be, but going forward, I, I mean, his length, he showed it in summer league. He's going to be able to get his, he's never getting his shot blocked ever that's just it's not going to happen when he when he takes those pull-up jumpers and you know if he, if his three-point shooting it, once he adjusts to the nba three-point line he's going to be like he's going to be kind of deadly from distance it looks like and he has the potential to be a shutdown defender he's going to again have to bulk up not to be a broken record here but he's going to have to bulk up a little bit to do that but the potential is there for him to be as good as any player on this roster when it's all said and done i'm a little bit higher on Russell, which your listeners can probably tell, but that's not a slighted Ingram at all. I, I think Russell's a little better, but I still think Ingram's going to be great. I think he, he was uh, he was still second best player in the draft to me behind Simmons, but uh, again, you could definitely see a scenario where he ends up being the best player taken in the draft. Oh yeah, you definitely see that. I was actually at um, the draft where he went to overall, and I got to see him up close and personal. The guy is rail thin. Great. Yes. Oh my God. And then my first thought was coming in my head was exactly what you said. He's going to, he needs to bulk up or he's going to get his butt handed to him in the paint. 
There were a couple times during summer league when he would try to catch the ball at the elbow and face up, and he just wasn't able to get the position that he wanted because his defender was just pushing him back, pushing him back, and Ingram was trying to do the things that he did in college where he was able to bounce guys a little bit at least, like at least compete for position with them, and it was just like he was trying to push a brick wall. It just wasn't happening. He, he's just he's not quite there yet, but the potential is certainly there. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. Yeah, I agree too. You know, but at least you know, according to the uh, NBA rookies themselves, they don't even see him or Simmons winning the Rookie of the Year. I don't know if you saw that. They actually picked Chris yeah. Dunn out of Minnesota yeah. when they're Roy. The, Chris Dunn must be a really nice guy because the rookies were voting for him for a lot of stuff when I mean I'm not as high on Dunn obviously as Simmons and Ingram and then also as far as the rookie of the year thing he's not going to play enough minutes for it like that that award Simmons has to be the heavy favorite because he's just going to get every single possession that he can handle in Philadelphia and whereas Ingram is probably going to start the year coming off the bench Dunn is going to be playing behind Ricky Rubio like I I don't understand. I think the rookies didn't look at the rest of the Timberwolves roster before they made that pick. Oh, yeah. You know, like you mentioned, he must have been a really, really nice guy to get that kind of favoritism in that draft. But again, you know, circling back to the reason why you're here simply is the fact, are the Lakers any threat to the Spurs in the West? Emphatically, no. But they are definitely got upside. They look like they can be a team to be reckoned with in the future. So there's got to be that silver lining going forward post Kobe Bryant. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll do you a favor. I'll go, you know, it, it's always good to have your guests on and have them make really bold takes. I think in three years, there's a, there's a chance that the I think that the Lakers might be better than the Spurs in three to four years. Because I think Pop retires. I think LaMarcus Aldridge starts his downturn. You know, obviously by that point, Tony Parker and Manu are probably either gone or, or declining. But Manu, I think, will certainly be gone. I think he announced that he this is his last year. I think Tony Parker, if he's not gone by then, he'll certainly not be Tony Parker as we know. And the Spurs will have to do a little bit of a rebuild, I would think. They'll still have Kawhi, so they'll still be good. Uh, but, I mean, we'll see. I, I think there's a, there's a better than zero chance that in three to four years, the Lakers are the better team. Yeah, you know, and speaking of the Spurs, what are your thoughts on San Antonio? You kind of hinted at them about their future, but at least next season, you know, looking from the outside in, do you see this team as a potential threat to the defending Western Conference champs, Warriors? Yeah, absolutely. I think that they had some things go wrong for them at the wrong time. I think that the Thunder were kind of the exact wrong matchup for them because you talked about it. They struggle against the athleticism and Golden State's great. Don't get me wrong. And they're going to be awesome this year, but it, it's not so much based on athleticism. It's a lot of it is like really just principled offense and just having really, really talented players that can make a lot of shots. And the Spurs are so disciplined defensively. I think that they have a chance to at least scheme their way to competitiveness with Golden State, especially while that team's still trying to learn and gel together and figure out exactly how Kevin Durant fits in. I think that that kind of stuff can get exposed during the pressure cooker of the playoffs. I, I believe so, too. But when I look at the West, and you know, you're know, you a West guy, you know, you're following the Lakers as I follow the Spurs. When I look at the, all the horses in the race, you know, clearly the, the favorite horse are the, are the Lakers, I mean, sorry, the Warriors. But then is there a dramatic drop-off after that? I mean, you look at San Antonio, you look at the Clippers, you look at, you know, the Thunder to a certain extent, maybe, I don't know. But I don't really see any other team out there in the West that's making that top three or four teams. 
Yeah, I think I think Spurs are probably still number two for me. The th- the Thunder, if they would have kept Durant, the Thunder number two. I think just based off of what we saw in the playoffs, the Spurs would need to prove that they could get past them. But I, I, without Durant, I mean that team's like that. That's like they're they're probably an and, eight seven eight seed. And are I you think. with me when I when I look at the Thunder? And the Clippers. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, when you're when you're looking at the Thunder team, are you in the camp like I am? Where everybody's saying like they're still going to be okay, I don't think they're going to be okay anymore. I still think they're going to be okay because I think that the big difference between now and like two years ago when Westbrook just had to go crazy flipping out is that Stephen Adams is, as you you know watching the Spurs got a very good look at, is much than he was two years ago. And ingratiated Cantor well, and I think so. Adams pick and roll is a deadly weapon for them this year. Again, I don't think that the Thunder are by any means a threat to win the West or anything, but I think they're certainly going to make the play. Yeah, I mean, picking up uh, Oladipo was nice, but I just don't think that's enough now without Durant. I, I, I don't. I mean, like you mentioned, Westbrook's going to have to play out of his mind, you know, for a good chunk of that team. And for the season, I think he can do it, but he's. I just don't see them, the Thunder, being that much of a threat in the West anymore. I don't. Man, you know, I don't, I don't see them as a real threat in the West. Not like, like not a top four team, but like I said, I, I think they're definitely still a playoff team. I'm very much a believer in, and I'm very, very excited to see what he looks like unleashed uh, and very, very angry. Yeah, that's definitely him. He plays angry, and he's going to be unleashed next season. So it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. You know, it wouldn't be surprising to me if he's in that MVP conversation uh, when that time comes next season. Yeah, I think based on narrative, he's gonna he's definitely gonna get in there almost on just narrative alone of he he still care this franchise is still effective despite losing Durant all of that kind of stuff you know that talk's gonna get going. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, again, uh, circle, again we'll circle back again. Uh, the Lakers, a good young team. I'm actually interested to see it in what Ingram's gonna do this year. I really am. I want to see. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I want to see if he's, that, that, he's gonna be living up to that billing. Yeah, that's a big. I I don't know that he's not going to blow anyone away right out of the gate. I don't anticipate, but I think similar to how Russell was last year, I think in the second half of the season you're going to see a different Ingram, and I think you're going to see him look really. I I think you're going to see him start to adjust and look pretty good. No, exactly, and of course you know, hopefully for the Lakers fans' sake, there's no more cell phone issues and fiance issues and cheating issues among the roster. As, uh, yeah, I think I think D'Angelo Russell deleted his Snapchat and threw his phone away, so I think we're probably good on that front. By the way, did you love that commercial with him tossing the cell phone out the window when the rookies were asking him? Well, any advice? Yeah. I mean, that was just great. That that was what I was referencing, and that okay. was that was the best commercial I've seen all year. That was phenomenal. That was good. When I first saw it, I was laughing. I mean, I love that. He goes, "Give me your phone." Throws it out into the ocean. Perfect. Perfect. By the way, I have wise, wise advice that would make a lot of us a lot happier sometimes. I say, and I say that as a cell phone addict. Yeah, uh, but uh, by the way, did that ever get patched up between them, uh, between Russell and Young? So Nick Young recently did an interview where he said that he, he they were trying to work things out, and Russell has always said, you know, the issue is like I'm good with him, but it's obvious. Obviously, Russell was much less kind of you know quote unquote wronged than Young was, mm-hmm. and so uh, he's always kind of said like, like he's kind of played it coy. He got asked about it earlier this week uh, from some reporter, and you could tell he wasn't really happy with the question. He just said, uh, I, I think he just said sure 
sure, 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 and just moved on. And Young has said that, that he can't stay mad forever. They're trying to patch things up. But honestly, I don't think Nick Young's going to be on the roster this year. So I, I don't anticipate it being a pro- – until he's on the roster on opening day, I'm working under the assumption he won't be. Yeah, well, hopefully they get patched up. And if Nick Young does leave, you know, or gets packing, but, you know, maybe that might be the silver lining right there, that, that cloud won't be hanging over the – the locker room anymore between the two guys and it affect the young guys on the roster. Um, Harrison, where can the listeners find you all over social media? So they can find me on Twitter at, at HM Fagan. And then if they would like, I, I don't imagine that there's a huge overlap in San Antonio Spurs fans that want to listen to a Lakers podcast, but my, my co-host Anthony Irwin and I, we try to have fun with it. So I think it's a fun listen, even for neutral NBA fans. And you can find that at locked on Lakers on Twitter. And you can obviously go to our audio boom, our iTunes, our stitcher, all those channels that, you know, we have to do our mandatory plugs for, <laughs> and you, you can find us there and listen to our podcast. And then you can find all of my writing on silverscreenroll.com. And actually, I just I had a piece for Vice that I did recently that I was pretty happy with the way that it turned out on Josh Majette and what it's like for kind of guys on the fringes of the NBA in summer league. And so that was uh, so that, those are my shameless plugs of the uh, of the day. 